The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. The Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Mike Zuzalo is joining us today, he is with Global Commodity Analytics. I want to know more about these bean numbers, Mike, because you said if we saw beans above 10.15 today, maybe there's some hedging that should be going on? Yeah, you know, here's how I see it right now, Susan. If the weather stays bad in Argentina and bad in northern Brazil, the market will probably have to come in and do some more rationing and adjusting down of global supplies and put the U.S. bean excess stocks more into the world marketplace. And I think this is the biggest distinction between the USDA's report and where we were with the Buenos Aires Grains Exchange numbers that came out just an hour after the USDA report came out. USDA came out with the United States carryover going up substantially of almost 60 million bushels, and yet at the same time, they only took down the Argentina crop uh, by a couple million metric tons. An hour later, the Argentines, through the Buenos Buenos Aires Grains Exchange, took the ending stocks, or production, I should say, down another 4 million tons, and that ends up being 150 million bushels. So I think the trade is saying, okay, net-net, we have a lot smaller world crop that's going to need to supply the big crushers in Europe and the big crushers in Asia. And I think it has to be said, too, uh, the big the big deal with crushing right now is that Argentina and the United States are two of the top in the whole world. We essentially crush about the same amount of meal year in and year out. So it, it is a massive piece of fundamental analysis to see that the Argentines and the United States crush about the same thing. And this is why meal has rallied 21% in the last 30 days or so. Beans have only rallied about 8%. This is really about the meal and about servicing the world meal market. And Argentina, as someone as big as the United States, is not going to be able to do that as easily. Well, as we look at, you know, Argentina and the discussion of weather has been such a dominant factor for the soybean market in the last couple of weeks. And, and this is where the hedging came in today for my clients and subscribers is I wanted the 1020 level to be where I wanted to get more hedges in place for new crop beans. I got within a half penny of that, and I started to see more rainfall coming into Argentina and the private models and the, the European models also are starting to show a little bit more, especially as we get into this coming weekend. So I like to typically what I do in, in my marketing plan year in and year out, if I can, is I like to hedge rallies. I like to scale up sell and thereby improve my average price. And if you can give me that in the month of February when the base price for the crop insurance is going up, that's even better because I look at that as a way if I bought puts on in February and, and thought the market might be going lower. If I'm wrong and the market keeps going higher, that hedge loss is offset theoretically by a better crop insurance base price, and then that ends up being even better profit potential for you on a per acre basis. So this is an ideal window here of having a rally because you can actually hedge that hedge essentially. Is there any worries? I know China going on holiday at the end of the week. Yeah, I think this is where the volumes are going to come into play as far as the volumes for bean exports and and what we're going to see on Thursday's weekly export sales especially because you do have, I'm glad you brought that up, we have the Lunar New Year holiday coming up and we've got a big, big slowdown when it comes to 
the Asian markets as a whole. And Susan, I look every day at what the crush margins are in some of the key provinces of China. And right now they're running in the red, like the, the meal crush margin in the Shandong province of China is running at a negative 38 uh, yuan per ton. Uh, that means that if they have to pay more for U.S. beans because the Argentines don't have it and the Brazils can't get it out of their fields because of the rains, that crush margin is even going to be deeper in the red. And so then they're going to turn and on an already oversupplied hog market in terms of supplies, they're going to make those weights lighten up even more so they can get more and more current and, current and, and not feed more expensive meal into a hog that is making less and less money. So this is the fundamental medium-term analysis that I think is really important and why I like selling these rallies here for profit. Have you heard word, Mike, as to why they made that cancellation with, with soybeans so recently? No, but typically what I have found is they, one, want to buy it at a cheaper price, and two, um, when they do have an oversupply in their meat markets and their poultry is getting that way as well, is my understanding, is that they really tighten the screws pretty quickly so that the, they don't bleed red too long uh, in their commercial operations. This would make even more sense, I think, because in the last two years, three years, they've worked very hard in China to bring into their uh, manufacturing or uh, production of hogs a more manufacturing mindset, a larger commercial scale production mindset, as opposed to backyard farmers. This partly because of disease, this partly because of population, this partly because they just want to make more money per head and become more Western in their idea of how agriculture needs to feed their uh, feed their population there. Uh, and, and, and control the uh, the big problems with uh, pollution. They'll have a better ability to do that if they have fewer producers out there that are larger that they can keep an eye on. So I think the other thing that I would throw out at, uh, as maybe a possibility too as far as why they canceled was the, we do have these trade issues with steel, with solar panels, with many, many things. And President Trump was talking again with Senate and House leaders and, and an open uh, with the press there and the open cameras and mics on, and they were talking specifically about steel in China and how unfair our uh, bilateral trade is and our trade deficit is with them. And that's definitely going to cause for some nervousness in the markets. Yes, I think that's right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more coming up. You, of course, are listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. We're going to look more at what's happening in the corn and the wheat markets. They're not as popular as uh, the soybeans were as of today. So stick around. We'll dive more into that. And, of course, take a look at the livestock as well. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Air. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. It is Fat Tuesday. We saw a little bit of excitement in the soybeans. Unfortunately, Mike, not in the corn and the wheat today. No, you have a couple things going, and I think these are going to be really important as the wheat drags on because I think you're back to a price level now in the soy complex, Susan, that you're probably going to need the feed grains once again to excel and push your and, and go even higher than what we've already seen. And this works into the mindset of why I'm selling beans at this stage of the game. And if I'm wrong about that, then I think the corn and wheat will go even higher and beat my price expectations, and I'll be able to offset some of my lost or missed prices 
in the soybeans with better wheat and corn prices. But I think you've got two things going on. Number one is the, the wheat market and the wheat weather. I think you're starting to see uh, selling become a lot more active up against resistance points, technical resistance points, because both models are starting to put down a lot of rainfall in the wheat belt, especially in the soft red wheat belt in particular. Well, that happens to also be the major corn belt, and it starts from essentially the Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas, Louisiana border, and it moves all the way up into Toledo, Cleveland, Ohio, up to Lake Erie as far as very heavy rains. And you're talking about three, four inches on some of the models over the next 10 days, and you get you know a couple hundred miles east of that line and west of that line that I'm talking about, and you're talking about well over an inch to two inches of rain, and essentially you're going to be able to take down and ratchet down substantially that drought monitor talk and that super dry spring that we're, we've been getting more and more worried and frustrated about uh, for the row crops heading into the spring time. So this is, a, this is a big time period for the weather maps because it does suggest, and the CPC kind of said this last week, and the Bureau of Meteorology in Australia said it today or yesterday, they see La Nina fading, and that would suggest that it's going to open up the ability for the middle part of the country to receive some more rain. So we may have a big pattern shift on our hands as we get into this coming weekend that really takes down a lot to talk about a drought in 2018 in the middle part of the country. Well, you know, in the Black Sea region as well has had some serious struggles when it comes to weather. It has, and I think this is where there's a lot of un, un, uh, unfinished business when it comes to the corn market and the wheat market. I think we have to take it in chunks, though. And I would say to you that the corn report from USDA and talking about what you're talking about in the Black Sea and then talking about what the French crop uh, was reduced as well in terms of wheat, um, these things all matter, but they may not matter quite yet uh, because of the way the trade trades nowadays. I think that the, without a doubt in my mind, uh, on the USDA report back on the 8th, we got the best corn report we had seen in many, many months because we saw... U.S. carryover actually go down on an improvement in demand, and I think the feed demand is even better than USDA is talking about. And that reduction, along with the Argentine corn crop reduction, took our stocks to use down even more. And so we're a couple three percentage points lower than where we've been in the last three years. We're still running the tightest corn supply globally when you factor demand in that we've been running since the 2012 drought, essentially, or right there at it in 2013. So that's all supportive news. It's just getting from point A to point B, and and that means you're probably going to see some weather-related corrections because you've seen some weather-related buying here in the last 60 days. Let's jump over to the livestock side of the trade, Mike, and, and cattle market has been on fire in, in a good way the last couple of trading sessions, and again today, really able to hold their own. Yeah, and the equities market, I think, is a major player for the funds to come back in and pick up some of their uh, longs they dropped about a week, week and a half ago, Susan. There, there's a lot of question right now in the cattle industry, it seems to me, about how current we are. And the, the idea is that we don't have as many cattle out there uh, ready to get into the marketing channel as what the USDA has been promoting. I'm not so sure I buy into that yet. I, I think it could be that that's the, the scenario but I look at last week's kill in cattle. We were at 591,000. That was down 3.3% versus the prior week. I didn't like that light of a kill. And so I'm thinking we have more cattle out there that are ready for the market. It's just been a situation where the packers have waited for 
their margins to improve because we had really low and almost negative margins to kill cattle on the past couple weeks. Now they've improved. I think this week is a very important week from a standpoint of where the cash cattle market is and what our supply is. So if we get a good cattle price out of the Fed Cattle Exchange tomorrow, that'll make me feel good. If we're back up there on weekly kill numbers um, and, and we've had good business and good firm business on solid kill numbers, then that'll make me think we're more current. And I'll be comfortable with the idea that we can stay in the 125, 126 area. I'm, I'm nervous that we aren't going to be able to sustain this level, though, uh, just simply because of the supplies that are coming on. Sounds good, Mike. Lots of things to think about as we head into tomorrow's trading session. What's the best way for folks to reach out to you to talk more markets? Well, as a loyal uh, listener to the Rural Radio Network, I would suggest getting on the website globalanalytics.biz and signing up for a three-week trial for free. Uh, it's a great time to sign up for a trial. A lot going on right now, and we're in the getting into that spring time period. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.